So, anybody know where they am? All right, the Jane is still. How are you, Jaggy, honey? Uh, nobody can guess where they am, my lover. This is Neve Mooney. That's like going out. Neve is famous. Oh, Daniel Clifford. Whereabouts, though? Well, Facebook famous, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Neve broadcasts her whole life on Facebook live. Okay, so I'm on my way to the dentist and I'm doused up with a fuel volume because I can't cope with the dentist. Uh, my nerves are gone. I'm terrified. Neve's a mother. She's a grandmother. She's a former heroin addict. And she's a poet. Learn to love your wobbly bits, your bingo wings, your sagging tits. Neve also has a talent for shoplifting. I won't pretend I'm perfect now, cos that I surely ain't. I was in the DIY shop and my nick three tins of paint. There's a connection between these parts of Neve's life. Being a grandmother, shoplifting and Facebook. Because just before Christmas, two years ago, Neve posted a personal challenge on her Facebook page, which has thousands of followers. She challenged herself to stop shoplifting her groceries for Christmas. No mean feat, because she's been doing it for a long time. When I lived in Black Rock for 22 years, I was literally doing my shopping and walking out to the door trolley and crossing the road to where I lived. The main reason Neve decided to stop shoplifting was because of this little man. Her grandson, Jake. He's, he's just the light of my life. I Skype with him on a regular basis. Where are you right now, Jakey? Where's here? Neve's grandson, Jake, actually lives in Switzerland with his mother. So contact is mostly virtual. He sends me cards and I don't want them cards to be ever having to go to Mountjoy Prison. I love you, Nanny. I love you, Nanny. Bye. Bye. So, how hard could it be to stop shoplifting? Most of us believe shoplifting is wrong and we'd have real difficulty doing it. Well, consider this scene. Cashier number eight, please. I'm in a shop with Neve. We're recording discreetly and Neve is almost having a panic attack. I mean, I, my, my heart is actually, like, in Aww. my chest. Not because she's stolen something and is afraid of getting caught, Nope. It's because we're in the early days of her challenge. She's in the queue at the checkouts and she's about to pay for her shopping. Indulge in festive flavours with water. When I know I could have it for free. It kills me. But I have to learn how to do it. I have to. It, 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 yeah. I feel I feel nauseous. Does she have a club card? Well, she hasn't really needed one before now. Goodness, I just spent 70 euro. 70 euro. I'm very proud of myself that I paid for my clothes, but I can tell you now I am glad to be out of that shop because having two bags in my hand with lots of empty space is just too tempting. So I'm not cured, most definitely not cured of my shoplifting bug, but I have the sense to leave the shop. Over the following months, I'll be recording Neve as she deals with those temptations to shoplift. 
but also as she tells me about the life that has led her to deal with addiction, giving up her children to care, poetry, stand-up comedy, and the work she's most famous for, her live Facebook posts. Oh my God, it's so cold. I've actually lost a feeling in my hole. Oh my God, I actually can't feel my arse because it's that cold. It's like gone numb. I can't feel Maeve's Facebook posts are often done live while she's cycling her bike or just walking around on Leary. They're aimed to shock. See your stupid little things with your teddy bears and your love hearts and your roses and all that bollocks. I don't send them. I love yous. I can tell you now. I love yous, all right? I don't need no textbook message to tell me whether or not I'm Looking at Neve performing on Facebook doesn't always tally with the Neve you might meet for a coffee or on the street or that her family know. She's a whiz at performing, being a clown, doing stand-up, being the centre of attention. She knows how to put up a front. She's been doing it for a long time. Where I grew up, the boys used to have great entertainment in chasing the girls around and when they'd catch it, their idea of fun was to get a hand up your top or down your trousers. Or So I decided one day I wasn't going to put up with this anymore and I shaved my hair. I had hair, de- long hair down my back, really, really long hair. And my mum used to comb it every night and it'd be all shiny and whatever. And I remember going into Jim's Barber's and saying, can I get a two-blade and just leave a ponytail at the back? So shaved the hair, put on a pair of Doc Martens, a pair of skin-tight jeans, walked down to the roundabout and fought the boys that day. to nail. They didn't get my trousers off that day and they never tried again. So it was... Just some bit skin and hair flying, are you? Yeah, oh god, yeah, yeah. They drag you by the hair and try and pull you into the bushes, and they're putting their hands everywhere. And I don't care what anybody says. That to me, that's just as bad as being raped. Like it's a gang of boys pulling at your clothes at your most and your most vulnerable age when you're only starting to get your breasts and you're totally self-conscious about your body. And all the girls went through it. Like, but I just decided that that I wasn't going to go through it that I was going to bite them and scratch them and kick them, that it would make that I wasn't worth their while. Just leave her alone. She's not worth it for the feel of a diddy to get a boot in the face. So like the big Doc Martens and I just, I didn't want it to be, I wasn't going to be a victim anymore. up shoplifting for Neve also means giving up some excitement in life. The biggest thing I ever took was a carpet. <laughs> was a carpet? The carpet was, was on display outside, outside a shop. I just threw it over the buggy and down the street and like it was crossways on the buggy so the street people had to like get out of my way because I'm walking down the road with this fucking carpet on my buggy and yet people are looking at you and they're in you can see their brains working going did she just rob a carpet? And I think I got like 150 quid for that. that was how did you get it home? I mean, how far could you walk with a carpet on your buggy? I got it on the dirt. I went on the, I went on the dirt with it. Neve's been robbing since she was a child of about seven. And back then it was the primary school craze for scented notepaper. And you could get strawberry shortcake ones and all them sorts of ones. But I didn't have the money for them. And some girls did. So we all went to Easton's one day and they were buying their fancy papers and I picked up some fancy papers and I put them in my pocket and nobody seen me. I 
I said, ooh, ooh. <laughs> this is quite nice feeling. I got them fancy papers for free. So I went back the next day and I took some more fancy papers. And then I decided to myself, maybe not just fancy papers, maybe I can take anything I want from anywhere I want. Neve moved on to robbing clothes and this led to her first arrest, which she tells me about as we're about to go into Penny's. They were after having this massive big fire and they were having like a clear outside the next day. People were queued up and around the corner. So we came down and we put leggings on us and put jumpers on us, put loads of clothes on us and then literally filled the black bag and walked out the door. And your mum was like, hello, can you come with us? And the queue, my aunties were in the queue. One of our uncles was in the queue. The whole of the farm was in the queue where we came from, like, and seeing us getting merged into the thing. So before my ma even was contacted to come and collect me in the police station, she already knew your daughter was arrested in the Mary. What age were you? 13. Yeah. Didn't uh, put me off because uh, the court sent me to this fantastic place. I didn't want to leave, like an assessment centre kind of place. And I was there for three weeks. So to me, I was like, don't care if I get caught again because I hope they send me back to the same place. Oh, so nice, but... Um, because the people were so nice. I just felt really safe there. Really safe and a lot of stuff had gone on at home at the time. And me, me mum was finished with me. She just couldn't deal with me anymore. It was too much of a handful. And I didn't really feel loved at home anymore. And I read my file from there and they were, all they had to say, the most thing they said was that Neve has got brains to what she is highly intelligent, highly creative but uh, does not know what to do with it. Doesn't know how to turn our energy into positive things. And uh, very self-destructive. Self very self-sabotage. Yeah. Do you worry about that still? Yeah, because I still do it. I still do it. And I, I can feel myself doing it, and I'm like, no, don't, don't. You have an opportunity of a lifetime here. Like, uh, Take every opportunity that comes. Don't run away from it. It's only when you're in the shops with Neve that you realise how differently a shoplifter sees the world. Just like this guy here in the aisle. For example, one of those large stainless steel cages on wheels they use to stock shelves. That might be an inconvenience on the aisle for you and me. But for shoplifters, it's a camera-free zone. A place to hide while transferring your groceries from your trolley to your bag. I'll get in behind him. Yeah. yeah. In behind that thing and camera down there can't see me. Camera behind me can't see me. Can I see my back? Perfect. Even out on the street, Neve can spot another shoplifter straight away. See our man coming down the road now. Yeah. Looking up see look at him look 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 at his jacket. Can okay. you see the jackets? Can you see the duvets? No. Look at the two duvets under his jacket. All right. Did you see them? I thought there were two boxes of chocolates. You see, you wouldn't be thinking, no. is he after going, is he, is he after robbing something? <laughs> Number one, he looked a bit dodgy anyway. Well, he was very tall. They're very tall and a bit scrawny looking. <laughs> but uh, you kind of know there was drugs involved somewhere. You have to have a brass neck. Because if you didn't have a brass neck, you wouldn't be able to do it. Like, I know guys that rob banks that would be like, no, I wouldn't shoplift it in a million years. I'd be terrified. And these are guys that have robbed banks. 
even though Neve has posted on Facebook that she's giving up shoplifting for Christmas. People are still getting in touch with her at what could be her busiest time of the year. Neve, are you going to be in Smith's and can you get in? <laughs> fake tan. <laughs> everyone's looking for a fake tan and everyone's looking for um, MAC makeup. Slimming tablets. 120 quid these slimming tablets are. And people are going absolutely nuts for these ultra max slimming tablets. But <laughs> they're like anything else. If you read the packet, it says on the packet, use as part of a calorie controlled diet and regular exercise. <laughs> sure, if you're going to be taking a calorie controlled diet and exercise, you don't need the bloody slimming tablets. But people want them and are willing to pay up to 50 quid for the large bottle of them. So the temptation is enormous for the cash. My mum is like the most honest person you could meet. If she found an envelope full of money, she would hand it back. I wouldn't. It used to kill her because she used to have to bring me to court and stuff like when we were growing up. My mum is a fantastic singer. Oh my goodness, she used to sing us to sleep and she sings all the old Irish airs and she was reared in an orphanage. She's very well spoken and I think that's one thing that she's given to me is the, how to speak well. Because depending on the company I'm in, my voice will change. If I'm in town, I'm, and I'm talking to the shoplifters in town, I'll be more kind, all right, what's the story? Yeah, what, what have you got? Like, uh, no, I'm not giving you ten off for that. You, you think I'm a, what do you think I'm an idiot? Where if I pick up, my friends now give me an off time because if I pick up the phone, I'll be chatting away, normal voice, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my ma will ring and they'll be like, hi, mom. And they're going, ah, <laughs> yeah, is that your phone voice? And shut up. That's the way I really talk. Neve is now in her 40s and grew up in Dorky and later in Mugstown, County Dublin. Neve was a handful for her mother and ended up being sent away to the nuns. Do you remember the first thing you ever said to me? No. <laughs> Do you ever come up for air? <laughs> yeah, it's probably that. Yeah. One take on the family comes from her sister Dee's fiancé, Ian. When, when Dee was sort of describing her family, it's like, well... My older sister's a former heroin addict and a kleptomaniac. Um, my mum's a bit crazy. My dad's, you know, at the pub most days and can't remember what day it is. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> well, my, my brother's an actuary and my mum and dad are retired. <laughs> So that's a, an old black and white picture of me when I was about 15. And I, I think I... I actually thought I was a lot prettier than I actually was. I was quite confident in myself back then. Back then was 1986. And I look at her now and I think, you're going to be pregnant in, like, six months. And you just don't know because I had a kid when I was young. I had a, a, a little girl when I was uh, 16. I don't know, maybe I might even have, I think I might have been just senior man in this picture, but I hadn't got pregnant yet. 
but not long after this picture, I was pregnant. And my whole life changed from there. Completely what age were you changed. Lost your virginity? 14. Maybe 14. And nothing romantic about it, or it was just a lad in the field, and <laughs> it was nothing, nothing special. It was just something that everybody else was doing. And then uh, I had my, my, my first love, he was from Bray. I'd love to go back and talk to that girl and just tell her, you know, don't go to Bray, you know, <laughs> don't don't meet that guy, don't get pregnant, don't don't lose your virginity, hold on to it for as long as you can, you know, and don't don't be fighting and you know, life is not that bad. Don't be running away. Yeah, I remember you running away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She ran away. She did, yeah. When she was babysitting me in Ashling once. This is Dee or Deirdre, one of Neve's two sisters. She told me she was going in to speak to Rachel Andrews, took her bag, said, you want to show Rachel Andrews these clothes? <laughs> she ran away. So my parents Andrews. came back, they freaked out at me. I mean, I How didn't find out time? that Neve was my half-sister in the best way either. My, my teacher told me by mistake. Is that how you found out? So, yeah, my teacher told me by mistake at a career guidance session. She was like, Neve was here and she's got a different dad than you, hasn't she? I was like, no. No, she doesn't. Like, oh, right, oh, I'm sure she does. I'm like, you know, so... And in some ways, because we were going through such a hard time, it was easy to kind of... to not be emotional about that, because I thought, well, that's fine. Because my relationship with Neve wasn't really, really strong. So I was like, well, it doesn't mean anything. It just means that I'm genetically not as like Neve as I am to Ashling, genetically. All through her childhood, Neve believed that her dad was her father. She found out by accident that this wasn't the case. A girl in our class had come in and was telling a story about how her dad wasn't her real dad. And I just happened to go home and say to me, Ma, is Jack my real dad? And she looked at me and went, who told you? <laughs> and I'm like, nobody. girl in school said she had a different dad than her sisters. So I have as well. And she was like, yeah. In 1987, Neve had her first baby when she was 16. She had a little girl and she called her Saoirse, which means freedom. At such a tender age, Neve didn't think she could manage to bring up the baby. And so Saoirse was put up for adoption. The adoption agency kind of done a very cruel thing, didn't they? They sent her home to me for a night. Yeah, that and was then took her back. I remember that. I remember yeah. that quite vividly in my memory. Yeah. I have to say that night was quite bizarre. Yeah. yeah. What happened? She just came home. You wouldn't let me hold her. Yeah. You, the Ashling holder, which which was. But oh, I didn't even want to hold her. But no, and it was just yeah. bizarre. It would never happen now. I mean, what had happened was the foster family that took, you know, the way they take them for six weeks to make sure you don't change your mind and all this stuff, and they decided they were going on holidays. So the social worker was like, oh, well, you can take her for two nights. We had nowhere to put her. We had an outside toilet. We had no shower. If it's a full adoption, it should be. It, that should have never happen. been allowed to happen, like. It's not fair on the adopted yeah. parents, either. I mean, and it that's... wasn't fair on me. No, it's not fair on anyone. Because it was like dangling her in front of me saying, you know, are you sure? You, you know, and it was, it, was, it was awful. And then I remember the car coming, and I remember waiting halfway down on the second floor. 
and just seeing her go into the car and it was just a really bizarre fit yeah. just a bizarre thing did you decide on adoption from the word go um, no no the whole way through it I was hoping that her dad would show up and say this is not happening I'm not going to let this happen and he never did so yeah. I went ahead with it but it was the right decision in the end it was yeah, because it was she went to a fantastic family I remember reading a book called um, Go Ask Alice. Go Ask Alice was a book about drug-taking and it was popular in the 70s and 80s. The book was supposed to put people off the drug scene, showing as it did how awful the life of an addict was. And instead of being horrified by the drug-taking, I was fascinated. I was like, I, because she explained it about like when you take these certain tablets or when you take the heroin, everything goes away. Everything is better. No, of course, there was horrible bits of it as well, but I blanked them out of my head and just was like, oh my God, I, 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 I want to do that. I want to blank out life. I, I want to be able to do that. It sounds brilliant to be able to forget your situation, to be able to forget that you're in care for a while, to be able to forget that nobody wants you that feeling that nobody wants you nobody cares about you nobody cares if you're dead or alive or you know and that was very attractive to me that oblivion to get yourself to a state of oblivion that you didn't know what was going on around you so you couldn't you couldn't worry about it if you couldn't think about it and I, I chased that then At 19 in 1991 Neve became pregnant again. It was a beautiful little boy and she named him Davin. And this time, she was determined to keep him. I was smoking grass and stuff when I was pregnant, but I never took heroin or methadone when I was pregnant. I didn't try no heroin until I was in maybe just 20, just after Davin was born. Thank God Davin wasn't born addicted or anything like that. And um, when Davin was about seven or maybe, maybe, maybe 10, 11 months old, I started using heroin. And what prompted that? Why did you suddenly start? Um, I think it might have had something to do with... Well, it was definitely something to do with the guy I was seeing. Because he was you, wasn't he? And then the attraction of being able to take a drug that you didn't have to leave your house to take. Because your, your kind of life, your social life kind of comes to an end when you have a baby. So this was something I could do at home. But I didn't realise what I was getting into and before I knew it 15, 16 years it just Davin ended up in care you know? It's getting closer to Christmas we're back in Dunleary and Neve is sticking to her pledge not to shoplift but it's hard We're in Meadows and Burn, and there are expensive decorations candles and fancy food preparation gizmos beautifully laid out. I know what this is. Mortar and pestle, Marie. Do you use them? I have done. But not for food. Not Something for tells food. me it's not Something for food. Not, <laughs> not for food. I shouldn't be laughing. For uh, crushing rock, rocks of crack. Crushing rocks of crack cocaine. What does it feel like when you have a crack? I'm curious about Neve's drug use. Everything is like you smoke it and then while you're letting the smoke out, that's when it hits you. 
and you start talking and you know you be throwing shapes and you be oh, thinking you're the best person in the whole world for about three minutes if even that and then it's gone but you're really really high but the worst drug I ever took was when I was injecting cocaine that, was, that nearly killed me nearly killed me because it's like when you look back and the stupidity of it like it's trying to get as high as you possibly can without dying you're, that's what that's the buzz you're chasing and you get you must be close to death nearly every time you do it and what happens is you take a wobbler when you take too much which is literally you going into convulsions and it, oh, it would be a horrible way to, to die like it would just be an awful thing because your whole body starts rocking and you can't stop it and uh, is that scary to, oh I had an awful one I went on a moving train and the train, I was in the t- toilet in the tra- on the train and it was moving and my friend went screaming because like, she stayed with me for a couple of minutes and I'm trashing around the floor and it went on for so long that she was like no and started screaming for help. Nobody would come near us because it's in my arm and all and whatever, it must have been saying, oh, junkies or whatever, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, she ran to get help and uh, these young lads came down and actually kicked, or kicking me while I was taking the foot on the floor. Yeah. It's like another person done all them things. Neil was caught shoplifting one day when she was high. Feeling like spoiling herself, she filled the trolley with Haagen-Dazs ice cream. This was a theft that not only made the Evening Herald, but saw her ending up in Mountjoy Women's Prison for a short while. Did you go visit her when she was there? I did, I remember going once, yeah. This is Ashling, Neve's sister. At the time, like Neve, her own yeah, life was chaotic. And also like Neve, she could see the appeal of prison. Looking back on it, I suppose there was a little part of me that wouldn't have minded being in there as well, yeah. to a certain extent of yeah. that institutionalised your own cell and your own bed and your yeah, your, own your meals and your own routine. Um, I did kind of want that at that time in my life, so I probably wouldn't have lasted five minutes in prison, but at the same time... It looked... It looked kind of appealing, yeah, I have to say. How long were you there? Um, the longest I was ever there was about eight weeks. That's not... In, in prison terms, that's absolutely nothing. Like, there was an assault charge and something like eight shoplifting charges, and they ran them all into one. So I got 18 months for that. And... I didn't care. I didn't care. I had nothing to lose. So prison to me was just like a holiday home. I was like, yes, can I stay for longer? Because you got your hair done, your nails done. Everyone you knew was in there. And it was, like Washing was saying there, the routine of it was great, especially if you're in addiction, to get away from all that madness and just have your own little cell and you're in your room at seven, half seven. You have your TV for your soaps and you have your own shower and bathroom. It's not like that now. There's three in a cell now. So that wasn't allowed when I was there. You had your own room with your own key. So I can understand why she would have thought, God, this looks all, it looks all right in here, you know? But it was very hard having Davin brought up. That was like, <sighs> and trying to explain to him, oh, that this is a hospital. And he's looking at you kind of going, but you're not sick. And trying to, because people constantly telling Davin, oh, your mum's not well. Your mummy's not well. I suppose you weren't really. No, I wasn't. But when you say that to a kid, they think, 
you're sick, you should be throwing up, there should be blood, there should be <laughs> what kind of sick, you know, and it's very hard to try and explain to a child. He would have been six, five or six. So that, that was a, that was a horrible, hor- like I wanted him to come up and see me, but when he was gone, it was just, I I never wanted him up there again, ever, because it was too hard to watch him leaving. It was just horrific. And then a social worker was bringing him up. When I talked to Davin about it, he just says that he tried never to think about it. When I, when I asked him about, like, did you see my drug use? Did you, did you think about it? And he'd be like, no. When you left, I forgot about you because I couldn't deal with thinking about you. So whenever you'd leave, which was hard to hear, but that was his safety mechanism to keep himself from going, going mad, I suppose. Davin, Neve's son, is now 22. He spent part of his life in his early childhood in care. Some of his memories of life with Neve are distressing. Mickey was living in the house. Particularly when he's talking about the men in her life. Obviously he was beating up my ma. And I was only a kid, so I wasn't strong enough to fend for myself or fight off some big man. I was only like four, four or five at the time, I'd say. Yeah. I don't even know how I can remember it. Like, but I just remember, I remember being at the bottom of the stairs in it and like shouting at him. I can't remember what I shouted, but like, just know it was hard because I was small and I knew I couldn't do anything. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think he even might just give me a little slap or push me out of the way or anything. I can't really remember what happened. You were in my arms and you bounced my head off the window. Yeah. But yeah. Can't... And I had to put you down and you were trying to kick him and yeah. he was dragging me down the hall. But, but anyway, yeah. yeah, that was the worst moment. I don't think you remember that. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was one of the worst moments. There's another ones where I found that needle from a fella you were going out with that day yeah. in the house. When I was playing my video game, I stuck down the bottom of the couch and found the hair down needle. And first, obviously, like, I was about 14 at the time, so I knew knew about drugs. So obviously I knew that my ma has taken drugs. And when I seen the needle first, I was thinking, is she back taking it? Is she taking it? Is she leaving the stupid things here in stupid places? But yeah. As soon as I showed her, obviously she started punching the head off her fella at the time, innit? It wasn't yours at the time? No, it was his, her boyfriend's at the time, innit? Yeah, I have went out with some just Graham. terrible, terrible guys. So that was Graham? Yeah. And he's dead now. The only ever guy that you ever went out with that was any use was Paul. Paul answered. What happened to him? Because he was the only he's guy that I liked. He was obviously he was a useless gobshite because he sat in front of the telly and watched the boogies all that. But he used to bring me to watch the football and. Like, obviously, I still speak to Paul. To I talk to Paul on Facebook a lot now, you know what I mean? And skill. still get on. He used to bring me to school yeah. sports days and that. He was always there, but I was come. He was he was good, like, do you know what I mean? He tried his best. And even as a kid, he I could see that. Do you know what I mean? It was the only thing that actually felt close to a father figure, I suppose. He was the only one who ever got close enough mm. that I let in as much. But then after, like, she fucked him out. I suppose that's another thing he did that pissed me off when I was younger, you know, as well. Because, like, I was like, ah... Oh, Next man's coming in. Next yeah. man, that sounded real English. Like the next guy comes along and then he's not going to be here for that long, is he? Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I was never too sure if I should get, get attached, if I should get attached yeah. to anyone, yeah. That was it. And I think that's kind of followed you around in your life. I had never had a social worker in my house. I'd never had a social worker's meeting. I went to them and asked them for help because I wanted to go for a detox. So I asked, could they take Davin for three weeks into voluntary foster care? And this allowed Neve uh, to go into a clinic and come off heroin. And I went to the social workplace. I was like, okay, I want my child back. 
And they were like, oh, no, you can't have him back. We're taking you to court. And I was, you're taking me to court for what exactly? I am um, neglect. What? What do you mean neg- neglect? Of, are you kidding me? He's wearing um, Armani clothes. He's a chubby little thing, happy little... I couldn't understand where they were getting this word from. She went to court and told the judge she was fit to take him back again. The judge disagreed. When you're talking about your child being taken, you can't talk, you can't breathe. You're like, please, please don't take, please don't take. You can't get the words out of your mouth. You just, it's, oh my God. It's like somebody just putting their hand into your chest and ripping your heart out. And you're trying to look at this judge and the tears are flowing. And you're like, please don't take my child. Like... What do you think is going on in their heads when they're looking at you to being like that? Um, I don't know. I just thought they were the most heartless, nasty, evil people. That, and I think they thought, like, oh, maybe if we take her child, um, it will shock her into getting better. <laughs> it, it had the opposite effect. I so couldn't deal with the fact that they'd taken him that I went worse into drugs because I hadn't. So much free time on my hands, I didn't have a child to look after. So I was like, I can't deal with this pain. I'm going to numb it. Neve is managing well, staying away from shoplifting, but it isn't easy. There are temptations everywhere. For example, one day we're in Dublin Airport duty-free. I think I'll have to walk straight past the shops because if I see a handbag that costs £700, I'm going to take it. So I'm just not going into the shops. Have you not lost that yet, no? No, not because I think the cheek of them to charge £700 for a handbag. (laughs) Let's go get a coffee. Yeah. Let's stay away from the designer labels. Step away from the labels. Later, over a cup of coffee, she remembers doing some damage last time she was here. The last time I was in this clothes shop and it's expensive designer wear, I ended up leaving with about 600 quid worth of handbags, makeup, jewellery, you name it. Nobody caught you? Nope. I actually went from the handbag shop to the makeup shop, put the makeup in the handbag that I just got from the guest shop. And you just do it really casually yeah. with a certain look on your face? Yeah, as it, like, nonchalant, I don't care. Why would you be looking at me? I'm just walking around the shop. That's my perfume. That's so my handbag. Lady, yeah. With a very expensive handbag. Leif has a wicked sense of humour and is a born show-off. She jokes easily about her past stealing escapades and it was this talent to see the funny side which led her to try stand-up comedy. Neve now does stand-up for charities that mean a lot to her, like the suicide prevention group Pieta House. The recovery train. I'm back on the recovery train. One way ticket, off again. It's in her poetry that Neve's more serious side comes out. Stronger. 
don't get off a trigger station. This stop will lead to devastation. Get rid of all your guilt and shame on the recovery train. We're all the same. So come on, people, all aboard to miss this train you can't afford. Through all your trials and tribulations, on and off at different stations. Now your journey's at the end. Give your ticket to a friend. Nia first posted on Facebook that she was giving up shoplifting for Christmas two years ago. She succeeded that Christmas and last Christmas. And this year's looking pretty good too. <laughs> and guess what, Jakey? Nanny is going to be on the radio. Uh, yeah. yeah, Nanny's going to be on the radio. Neve is show. still in touch with Jake, her grandson, the reason she decided to give up shoplifting in the first place. She sends him gifts, like a little soft toy that she knitted for him. And I sent him over to Jake with a little story attached beside him and it said Hi Jake, my name is Papa Cedro and I come all the way from your nanny's house where your nanny's house was filled with so much love for you and she had nowhere to put it so she put all of her nanny love inside me and I'm stuffed with nanny love so whenever you want some nanny love you just cuddle me and I'll give you some nanny love and I'll be your friend forever and always. Just because Neve is no longer stealing doesn't mean life is straightforward. One of the legacies of her earlier drug use is that she's now on methadone long term. 19 years nearly. And can you get off it? It's very, very hard to come off methadone because as soon as you get to a certain level, every emotion that you haven't dealt with from the day you start to take a methadone, boom, and you've got to deal with them all at the same time everything starts coming back. Feelings start coming back. So the methadone is really still keeping you dumbed down. You're dumbed down to life. You're dumbed down to sex. You're dumbed down to feelings, emotions. You're tired all the time. And you kind of feel like your whole life revolves around going and drinking this feckin' green stuff every day. Where has my life gone, she wonders out loud. How did I fall in with this drug-taking crowd? She's not by herself, she sure ain't alone, for this is the life of a methadone drone. Liquid handcuffs would be the general term that we call it. To go to a methadone clinic is like putting a band-aid on a 12-inch gash. It's not a fix. You get scared of who is the person that doesn't take drugs, is, is she nice? Is she still the same person? Will I still be me? Will, will I lose a part of myself? Neve still keeps up her Facebook posts. I swear to you, that same bastard magpie is following me around. I'm telling you, it's a magpie conspiracy. I'm getting a pellet going. Try to give her followers a laugh. So, come on, what did you get dressed up for Halloween? Tell you know what I dressed up as for Halloween? A couch potato. Yeah, I sat on my couch and watched telly. <laughs> I do suffer from depression and it's hard because when people expect you to be funny all the time, like my friends will ring me up when they're feeling down for me to cheer them up, which is great. I can cheer them up. I can't cheer myself up. Who do I ring to cheer me up, you know? The answer to that comes from Facebook. And I'll tell you why I'm not making videos anymore. Because I don't feel funny anymore. When Neve goes quiet, her followers become concerned. I 
there's not many people who want to look at this head. And when she starts reposting, you can almost hear their sighs of relief. What are we? Ah, uh, thanks, Billy. How are you, Jamie Boylan? Ah, uh, how are you, Connor? No, I'm not. I wish I was going for the sambo and a scoop. Mind a few scoops. So, I just had what happened to me the other day, right? So I was in doggy, right? And you know the way, like, most people...